Greetings, this is podcast number 104 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. A slight change of pace today. Instead of one long segment, we'll discuss two topics. First up, debunking some of the latest right-wing talking points against universal health care, including the lies that we already have the best health care system in the world, and that universal health care leads to long waiting times for treatment. In the second segment, we'll expose the shameless hypocrisy of a leading elder in the right-wing constellation of stars, Judge Robert Bork. Let's get right into it. My sources for this segment are The New York Times, Business Week Magazine, HealthDigest.com, The New Yorker Magazine, MSNBC.com, Yes Magazine, and FoxNews.com. Reforming the American health care system is shaping up to be one of the hot topics in the 2008 presidential campaign. Why? Currently, 45 million Americans lack any health care coverage. Tens of millions more are underinsured. That is to say, they have inadequate health care coverage. Almost half of all bankruptcies are caused by medical bills, and a large percentage of those people actually had medical coverage, obviously inadequate coverage. So it's no surprise that the American public overwhelmingly supports a government guarantee of health insurance for all Americans by 64 to 27 percent, according to a February New York Times CBS poll. In that survey, Fully 60% of Americans even said they'd pay higher taxes to achieve that goal, including 46% of Republicans. So universal health care coverage of some sort seems to be in the wind. This panics the right, and they're doing everything they can to derail this wave of pro-universal health care sentiment. The overall right-wing strategy which you've probably already heard from whichever right-wingers you've been able to stomach listening to lately, goes something like this. We're number one. We're number one. We're number one. Wait, isn't that a football cheer or something? Yes, and in right-wing circles, cheerleader-like slogans always substitute for factual analysis. As Paul Krugman recently put it, quote, The bottom line is that opponents of universal health care appear to have run out of honest arguments. All they have left are fantasies, horror fiction about health care in other countries, and fairy tales about health care here in America. By and large, opponents of universal health care paint a glowing portrait of the American system that bears as little resemblance to reality as the scare stories they tell about health care in France, Britain, and Canada. Close quote. Not yet officially announced presidential candidate Fred Thompson, the latest great white hope of the ultra-right, summed it all up when he advanced the ludicrous proposition recently that, quote, the poorest Americans are getting far better service, close quote, than Canadians or the British. Our job as progressives is to constantly point out the wide gulf between right-wing fantasy and flesh-and-blood reality.
The statistics I cited above about the tens and tens of millions of uninsured and underinsured Americans and the bankruptcies that result should by themselves give the lie to any claim that we have the best health care system in the world. Further towards that goal, I'll rebut here two of the major talking points used by the right to support the where number one mantra. First is something George Bush recently repeated as he poo-pooed any concern about the 45 million Americans without health care coverage. I mean, people have access to health care in America. After all, just go to an emergency room. George Bush's policies apparently follow that logic. The White House has admitted that Bush's recent plan to expand health care coverage would help no more than one out of ten Americans who currently lack insurance. The other nine out of ten, I guess, can continue getting their medical care in emergency rooms. Now George Bush should know better. He just had a regularly scheduled colonoscopy. Five polyps were removed. Most colon cancer arises from polyps. These five polyps were tested and happily for George, none had yet turned cancerous. Bush had other polyps removed two separate times when he was governor of Texas, so now he has regularly scheduled colonoscopies. This George is called preventive care. George, you can't go into an emergency room and ask for a colonoscopy. Talk about causing an increase in human misery, suffering, pain, and death. To give you some idea of what this translates into in terms of flesh and blood human beings, the Institute of Medicine, which was, quote, created by the federal government to be an advisor on scientific and technological matters, close quote, it estimated that 18,000 Americans die every year because of lack of health insurance. These people don't receive such necessities as, quote, preventive services, a timely diagnosis, or appropriate care, close quote. Beyond those who die, imagine how many tens or hundreds of thousands of additional people unnecessarily suffer from non-fatal but treatable disease. So much for the right-wing talking point that the uninsured can get all the care they need in the emergency room. A second right-wing talking point in touting the wonderfulness of the American health care system is that citizens of countries with universal health care face long waits for care, and Americans do not. There's an industry lobbying group called America's Health Insurance Plans. In their rebuttal to Michael Moore's new film, Sicko, AHIP declared, quote, the American people do not support a government takeover of the entire health care system because they know that means long waits for rationed care, close quote. This, of course, begs the question, what about Americans who don't receive the care they need ever at all, period, because they have no health care coverage? And beyond that, Americans do face delays in getting care and... Any delays abroad have nothing to do with the universal aspect of their coverage system. One of the blast the right rules of thumb is, whatever a right-winger says, the opposite is true. Sometimes proof of the oppositeness even comes from right-wing sources not following the current right-wing playbook. It was Business Week magazine that recently admitted, quote, In reality, 
Both data and anecdotes show that the American people are already waiting as long or longer than patients living with universal health care systems. Close quote. The American people are already waiting as long or longer than patients living with universal health care systems. You should know that in countries with national health care systems, waiting times data is tracked and made public. In the U.S., however, there's no systemized process to collect such data. However, various studies and surveys have given us a pretty good picture of the situation. Business Week said that the U.S. health care system was, quote, not just broken for breast exams. If you find a suspicious-looking mole and want to see a dermatologist, you can expect an average wait of 38 days in the U.S. and up to 73 days if you live in Boston, according to researchers at the University of California at San Francisco who studied the matter. Got a knee injury? A 2004 survey by medical recruitment firm Merritt Hawkins & Associates found the average time needed to see an orthopedic surgeon ranges from 8 days in Atlanta to 43 days in Los Angeles. Nationwide, the average is 17 days. Close quote. I'll vouch for the L.A. figure. Weights there for orthopedic care are nothing new. Back in the 80s, when I was taking karate lessons, and suffered more than my fair share of sprains and strains, it was well-nigh impossible to get to see an orthopedic specialist when you wanted to. In 2005, the nonprofit Commonwealth Fund did a survey of adult patients in six nations. Business Week quoted Karen Davis, the Commonwealth Fund's president, quote, Waiting is definitely a problem in the U.S., especially for basic care, close quote. Further along those lines, the Commonwealth Fund found that the U.S. was next to last in how long it took to get medical care on short notice. Less than half of U.S. patients, quote, could get a same or next day appointment for a medical problem, worse than every other country except Canada, close quote. And, according to Paul Krugman, quote, America is the worst place in the advanced world if you need care after hours or on a weekend. Close quote. After the break, right-wing statistics that are accurate on their face, but totally misleading. Left, the right, the right. Left, left the right, the right. Your one-minute voting report. We're currently number six on the Podcast Alley Top Ten. Thanks for your votes. If you haven't voted already in August, please do so. And if you haven't ever voted, well, now's a great time to start. Thanks also for all those five-star reviews in iTunes. They counter the right-wing sabotage one-star reviews. iTunes is real important to building the Blast the Right listenership and spreading the progressive word. So if you're an iTunes subscriber and haven't yet given Blast the Right a five-star review, Please consider doing so. There is one area where the right wing will cite you some data which on its face is accurate. We Americans do have shorter waits to see specialists or to have elective surgery than in many countries with universal health care. Although... Germany does better than us here also. 
how to respond to this data on countries other than Germany. To start off with, in the other countries where the wait is longer than in the U.S., patients who can't wait without harm being done are moved to the front of the line before their health is put at risk, according to Johns Hopkins health policy expert Gerard F. Anderson. He said, quote, their weight might be uncomfortable, but it makes very little clinical difference, close quote. Of course, we don't want uncomfortable either. Must there be, as the right seems to insist, longer waits for specialist and elective surgery as opposed to basic care in a nationalized system? Obviously not, since Germany already does better than us in this regard. And as far as the other countries with nationalized health care, we need to compare apples to apples. U.S. citizens do get hip replacements faster than Canadians, quote, but there's a funny thing about that example, which is used constantly as an argument for the superiority of private health insurance over a government-run system. The large majority of hip replacements in the United States are paid for by Medicare. That's right. The hip replacement gap is actually a comparison of two government health insurance systems. American Medicare has shorter waits than Canadian Medicare. Yes, that's what they call their system. Because it has more lavish funding. End of story. The alleged virtues of private insurance have nothing to do with it. Close quote. It's a question of funding, not the type of health care system. And this is the main point I want you to come away from this segment with. As Business Week says, quote, All this time spent queuing, as other nations call it, stems from too much demand and too little supply. Close quote. And why is there too little supply in the universal coverage nations? Because their systems are underfunded. Here's the critical stat in this segment. In the United States, we already spend per capita for each citizen nearly twice as much or even more as the nations with universal coverage. Michael Moore got into a big brouhaha with Newsweek after that magazine accused him of fudging the numbers by taking and comparing data from different sources. To avoid Newsweek attacking me, haha, I'll take all my data from one source, OECD data issued June 2006 for the calendar year 2004. The OECD is the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. The U.S. and 29 other mostly European industrialized nations are currently members. According to this OECD data, in 2004, the U.S. spent $6,001 per capita on health expenditures, compared to only $3,165 in Canada, $3,159 in France, and a measly $2,546 in Great Britain. Since Germany wasn't calculated for 2004, I'll tell you that the figures comparing Germany and the U.S. in 2003 also put the U.S. at nearly twice as much per capita as Germany. As a percentage of GDP, the U.S. also already spends far more than the universal coverage nations. So, if Canada, France, and Great Britain spent as much as we did per capita, if they doubled the amount of money they were spending on health care, you can rest assured that not only would there be no weights there, they'd be making house calls with MRI machines.
Put another way, if we cut our medical expenditures in half, how long would our waits be? The bottom line is, the experience of the universal coverage nations does not show, as the right wing would have you believe, that long waits are an inevitable result of having universal coverage. Quite the opposite. The results the universal health care nations have achieved while spending only about half as much per person as the U.S. show that if we adopted one of the universal coverage systems, we in the U.S. could have, perhaps literally gold-plated, no waiting universal coverage for all without spending an additional dime. Not a single person would be denied coverage because of some pre-existing conditions clause. Not a single person would have to forego medical treatment because they couldn't afford it. Not a single person would go bankrupt from medical bills. Now, I'm not advocating here for exactly which type of universal coverage would be best. The two types, broadly speaking, are socialized medicine and a single-payer system. The right wing will often lump them together deliberately to mislead. Britain has socialized medicine, where the government hires doctors and runs the hospitals. This is the specter the right always invokes. Other European countries, on the other hand, have single-payer systems, where the government pays, but doctors and hospitals are private. My own inclination, without having studied this aspect of the issue in depth, is to favor single-payer, like our own Medicare. Medicare for all! You still get to choose which doctor, which hospital, etc., just like now under many private insurance plans. So to sum up, just remember, the next time a right-winger says we'll have long waits if we switch to universal coverage, tell him or her that Germany does better than us in this regard with its universal coverage. And tell them as well that the only reason the other universal coverage countries have waits is because they spend only half as much per person as we do. If their spending was at our levels, they'd leave us in the dust. So much for the imbecilic right-wing cheer. We're number one, we're number one, we're number one. Oh yeah, let me mention one thing we are number one in, as Business Week reported, quote, The Commonwealth study did find one area where the U.S. was first by a wide margin. 51% of sick Americans surveyed did not visit a doctor, get a needed test, or fill a prescription within the past two years because of cost. No other country came close. Close quote. So before your conversation ends, be sure to ask your friendly local right-winger if they're proud that the USA is number one in that statistic. What did you say, George? I mean, people have access to health care in America. After all, just go to an emergency room. My girlfriend doesn't call people names. She doesn't think that liberals are insane. My girlfriend is not emboldened by her looks. My girlfriend does not write hateful books. But she can cook So I guess my girlfriend Is no Ann Coulter My girl has a soul, sir She got no chips 
Sometimes it's useful just to sit back and marvel at the hypocrisy of right-wingers when their actions, if it's their own ox that's being gored, suddenly don't match their prior ideological rantings and ravings. The following example is so delicious, I just had to share it with you. My sources are the New York Times, the Columbia Electronic Encyclopedia via infoplease.com, voluk.com, Bloomberg.com, The Nation Magazine, and Dictionary.com. Do you know who Robert Bork is? Get a load of this. During the Watergate scandal, Special Prosecutor Archibald Cox sued President Richard Nixon to obtain Oval Office tape recordings. Nixon responded by ordering his Attorney General Elliot Richardson to fire Cox. Richardson refused and resigned. Next in line at the Justice Department was William Ruckelshaus. He also refused to fire Cox and resigned as well. Third in line was none other than Robert Bork, Solicitor General, who thus became the highest official in the Justice Department. Bork went along with Nixon and fired Cox on October 20, 1973. This incident became known as the Saturday Night Massacre. Bork went on to become a federal appeals court judge. He's a conservative icon, a trailblazer in right-wing judicial philosophy. When Ronald Reagan nominated Bork to the Supreme Court in 1987, all hell broke loose. Quote, Within hours of Ronald Reagan's nomination of Robert H. Bork to the Supreme Court in 1987, Edward M. Kennedy issued an apocalyptic warning. Quote, Robert Bork's America is a land in which women would be forced into back-alley abortions, blacks would sit at segregated lunch counters, rogue police could break down citizens' doors in midnight raids, school children could not be taught about evolution, writers and artists could be censored at the whim of the government, and the doors of the federal courts would be shut on the fingers of millions of citizens. Close quote. The Senate rejected Bork's nomination by a 58-42 to 42 vote, the biggest rejection margin ever for a Supreme Court nomination. Bork's name even became a verb, meaning to attack a candidate or other public figure systematically, especially in the media. What was there about Bork that generated so much intense opposition? It was his right-wing philosophy. Quote, he has long been famous for his lack of sympathy for people who go to court with claims of race or sex discrimination or other injustices. He has gotten particularly exercised about accident victims driving up the cost of business by filing lawsuits. In an op-ed article, he once complained that, quote, Courts are now meccas for every conceivable unanswered grievance or perceived injury. Juries dispense lottery-like windfalls, attracting and rewarding imaginative claims and far-fetched legal theories. Today's merchant enters the marketplace with trepidation, anticipating from the civil justice system the treatment that his ancestors experienced with the Barbary pirates. Closed quote. All around, this Robert Bork is one piece of work, isn't he? Okay, so speaking about conniving accident victims, guess what happened to old Robert, that fervent opponent of tort claims abuse? Seems Bork was to give a speech at the Yale Club. Getting up on the dais, he fell. 
he hurt his leg and bumped his head. He then reportedly got up and delivered his speech. Accident victim Bork is suing Yale for negligence. He claims Yale should have provided a set of stairs with a handrail between the floor and the dais. Bork claims his actual damages as, quote, in excess of $1 million, close quote. The 80-year-old Bork says he needed leg surgery, suffered great pain, had to have months of physical therapy, and now walks with a limp. Bork is also demanding punitive damages and that the Yale Club pay his attorney's fees. As the New York Times in an editorial put it, Bork's lawsuit, quote, is so aggressive about the law that, if he had not filed it himself, we suspect he might regard it as, well, piratical, close quote. If Bork, the right-wing legal scholar, could question Bork, the accident victim plaintiff, would he not ask, quote, if it was reasonably foreseeable that, without stairs and a handrail, a guest such as Mr. Bork would be injured, why did Mr. Bork try to climb up the dais? Where does personal responsibility enter in? And wouldn't $1 million plus punitive damages amount to a lottery-like windfall? Close quote. I remember when Rush Limbaugh confessed to being a drug addict and everyone wondered, would such an experience temper Rush's harsh judgments of others? The New York Times similarly asked now, quote, whether Mr. Bork's unfortunate experience at the Yale Club has led him to reevaluate any of the harsh things he has said in the past about injured people, much like himself, who simply wanted their day in court. Close quote. Given the right-wing mindset, I doubt it. You know the old cliché that a conservative is just a liberal who's been mugged? How about this? A right-winger is just a spouter of self-serving ideology who will abandon that ideology the instant it's in his or her interest to do so. Most right-wing ideology is fashioned for a particular purpose. What purpose is that? Here's one of my favorite quotes of all time from the noted economist John Kenneth Galbraith. Quote, the modern conservative is engaged in one of man's oldest exercises in moral philosophy, that is, the search for a superior moral justification for selfishness. Close quote. Tort reform, such as advocated by Bork in his right-wing legal scholar mode, is one such moral justification and subterfuge to insulate corporations from paying damages due those they injure. This, of course, retains more wealth for the small percentage of Americans who own the vast majority of the privately owned corporate stock in this country. The harsh strictures of right-wing tort reform obviously don't apply when it's a right-winger who finds him or herself the victim of an accident. Self-interest not consistent application of principle is the right-wing way. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right. Tell a lot of friends and vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on the podcast homepage. 
A special shout-out to all you Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. Great to have you on board. Please consider coming over to the podcast homepage, subscribing for free, and then you can download and listen to any episode of the podcast anytime you want. Special thanks to Kid in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, for help with the podcast. I apologize for no live show again last week. A friend borrowing my car totaled it. No serious injuries, thank goodness. But now I have to run around looking for a car to buy. Never a dull moment. I wonder, is there some right-wing god of fate annoyed with me or something? Anyway, I'm tentatively scheduling the next Blasterite Live call-in show next Wednesday, August 29th at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm going to try and get back on as a guest, John Booty, independent citizen candidate for president, who says he makes Rush Limbaugh look liberal. You can confirm the date and time and the guest as well on the podcast homepage or by going to blogtalkradio.com and searching there for Blast the Right. Music credits. The break music was The Schnee Speaks by KG House combined with the alternate Blast the Right theme by Nye's Music and Not the One Blues by Burnsheet Thornside. The bumper music between segments was My Girlfriend is No Ann Coulter by Lucky Man Clark. We'll close with a little bit of Taking My Country Back by Honky Tonkers for Truth. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on the data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Please keep all that great email coming in. My address is rational at roadrunner.com. You can also call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. You can also leave a message on Skype. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. I'm taking my country back. Son, you ain't been doing her right. Oh, I've been watching you and I don't like how you've been treating my stars and stripes. And the treasury drawer More than there had ever been before But every day we're drowning deeper in debt Maybe four years should be all you get Then you gave tax breaks to the millionaires And you tried to make the working man pay But you can't tax a man when his job's not there Now look at where we are 